This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Dermalist, a new Australian skincare company that I am incredibly excited to introduce you to. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Shaw. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today's guest is Lauren Curtin a women's health and fertility Chinese medicine practitioner who uses both Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture to assist clients with understanding their cycles, hormones, and so much more. The conversation with Lauren today teaches us about the lifestyle of hormones from adolescence through to pregnancy and everything in between. We explore the impact that periods, fertility, stress, and our eating habits have on our hormones, as well as how you can be more aware of the conversations around contraception and to touch base on inflammation in the body and the skin. After many requests for an episode like this, I was thrilled to be able to connect with Lauren and record for your learning. You'll definitely need a notepad and pen for this one because there is so much to take away. You may even learn something about your own body and hormones that you didn't even realize. I started by asking Lauren what fueled her to start a career in women's health and fertility. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and to come have a chat with us. I really appreciate it. Um, as I was just telling you offline, we've had so much of our audience come and request this episode and I thought you would be the absolute perfect person who we can get to share all of your knowledge and thoughts. So I really appreciate you coming today. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. So Lauren, I'd love to start with your career. I mean, you're big in the kind of women's health sphere of the industry at the moment. How did you even get into that in the first place? Well, I've actually always been interested in women's health. So even when I was super, super little, I was always interested in periods and menstrual cycles. And it was pretty much a natural development for me to go into treating women. I'd always been interested in being in the natural health space in some aspect and when I found Chinese medicine it was really just a flow and effect to start helping women. Amazing and so I mean how did you uh, like it, it blows my mind because so many people don't know what they want to do so young like is that just wild to you to think some people are in their 30s and they don't know what you they're doing and you know you were so young and you already knew that you wanted to do it's quite um quite amazing it's super lucky I feel super lucky because I've had I know lots of people that are unsure of what they want to do direction that they want to go in and I don't know why I was just super lucky and I was always just kind of driven by my gut instincts when I found Chinese medicine I was like yep that's what I'm gonna do and I didn't really think about it too much I was just like yep that's it I'll sign up for the degree and it went off from there so I didn't have a lot of back and forth of being unsure 
like looking back now, I'm super grateful for. But at the time when I first even applied for the course, I was like, yep, that's what I'll do, done and dusted. And then now I'm like, wow, thank God that that happened. Otherwise, I don't know what I would be doing. (laughs) And so having a look at what you do on a daily basis, what does a typical day of treating look like for you? So typical days in clinic are super busy. So I run two rooms at once. So that means when someone is on the table with their points in, I'm taking the next person in and doing their consult. So it's a busy clinic. Um, And basically now for the past few years, my practice has been really centred around women's health and fertility and it's gotten more and more focused on that as time's gone on and so now pretty much like 99% of the patients I see are women and seeking help with hormones and periods and fertility so I really like to think that I am offering support for women through the whole spectrum of what it means to be a woman and the whole the whole kind of thing that comes with being a woman so women that are thinking about what kind of contraception to go on or if they're trying to switch to a different one, that's really common. And women coming off the pill, I see a lot of women for that, navigating that whole journey coming off the pill and the things that can come up post-pill and then like things like amenorrhea, which is no periods and PCOS and endo, fertility support, IVF, donor programs, so like everything you could think of is what a clinic day looks like and I'm busy making herbs and writing prescriptions. So it's always an exciting, busy day in clinic. Incredible. I actually didn't tell you this before um, we jumped online, but two of my very good friends have come and seen you and I won't say their names obviously because we're on a podcast. Yes. Um, But one, you have pretty much cleared up all of her hormonal acne where it's hormonal acne um and the second one has just had a baby oh that's amazing yeah so speaks volumes of what you do (laughs) that's wonderful to hear I love that um so I'm wondering then how does Chinese medicine and acupuncture tie in with women's health so from a Chinese medicine perspective, the two are very linked. We place a really big importance on the menstrual cycle in Chinese medicine. And we have the perspective that any time that something is going awry with the menstrual cycle, it's a sign that something deeper is going on. So we look at every single thing you could possibly analyse with our period. So my patients will know that in our consults, I need all of the dirty details when it comes to <laughs> I'll be asking about how many days their period lasts for, what the blood is like, if it's brown, if it's like a fresh red, if there's clotting, if they have spotting, what their ovulation signs are like. And like if they use pads or tampons or a cup or period undies, we go into all of that. And anytime that there seems like something is a little bit out of whack, then that's like a clue for me. So I'm like, okay, we can go a little bit deeper. What does that mean? So if they have like really big clots in their blood, that's like 50 cent piece. I'm like, okay, that's a really big sign of blood stagnation. Are there any other clues that I can find that hint towards that diagnosis? And then once we get all the clues we can, 
then we start to dig around as to what could be causing that. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, any time that the period is going awry, we want to look deeper with, the, with their health. And we always say that if you treat the menstrual cycle, you're treating the whole person. Mm-hmm. Here it is good and happy and healthy, then it's strongly likely that their overall health will be good as well. So we place really big importance on the cycle. And it's like having a direct insight into what your body's doing because I always think that women are really lucky because we get this monthly ideally, um, insight into what our body is telling us. And it's like direct insight. And if something is looking amiss, we can be like, okay, what have the past few months been like? Has diet been different to usual? Has sleep been different? Is stress different? So it's always kind of holding you accountable. And if period is going well, then you're like, okay, cool. I'm on the right track. I'm eating in a way that works well for me or I, my stress levels are well-maintained. And so when you have a really good period, you're like, okay, cool, I'm on the right track. Whereas if the period is giving us some signs, it's like, okay, there's still some tweaking to be done. So the, like the menstrual cycle for me is everything because it tells me so much about women's bodies and their health. And in Chinese medicine, it's super, super essential. So when women are on the pill or on some kind of, hormonal contraception that may shut down their periods it's almost like we're flying blind a little bit because it's like we need that period to be telling us Mm. wow I never thought about it like that kind of like a monthly sign for what your body's been doing the past couple of weeks totally and even the previous three months it takes a roughly 100 days for a follicle to fully mature and that's a little fluid filled sac on the ovary And during that whole three-month process from early development to ovulation, that follicle is exposed to everything that you're doing during that time. So it's exposed to your diet. It's exposed to your lifestyle and your sleep and your stress and your even things like your chemical exposures, like in the environment and in your cleaning products, bathroom products. And so that whole three-month process really accumulates. And then with that ovulation and then with that period, it'll give you a direct report as to how those three months have been. Wow, that's insane. So you can't get away with anything. Yeah. <laughs> no more wine if you're trying to get pregnant. Right. exactly. <laughs> um, I want to chat about the kind of shift in hormones that we've seen over the last few years. I mean, our industry and our therapists are now treating more acne, more inflammation, more dermal pigment, skin conditions than we have ever seen before. Um, I'd love to start at the very bottom with teens because we're treating a lot of teenage acne. Is there something specific that we should know here in terms of that hormonal adolescence age or otherwise? Totally. So this is a really big thing at the moment and I think it's accumulating a lot in the past few years because inflammation rates are at an all-time high. So that has a lot to do with how our food is made and if we're having organic food or non-organic food because it kind of accumulates in our system the kind of chemicals that we're exposed to and that can be through our food and then it can be through things like plastics and through like our cosmetics or our shampoo. So anything that goes into our body or onto our skin will have 
an effect on our body and an effect on our hormones. And it's either going to be supportive or it's going to be not as supportive for our hormones. So a lot of synthetic types of chemicals actually mimic estrogen. So they're going to bind to our estrogen receptors. And that means that we're going to have a more consistent exposure to estrogen every single day, depending on what products we're using and what our exposures are like. Whereas in the natural cycle and in how our hormones are actually supposed to fluctuate, there should be a fluctuation. Whereas the way that we're kind of living now, we're getting a daily bombardment of things that mimic our estrogen. So it's really throwing out our really delicate hormonal balance. And our estrogen and our inflammation is really linked. And I always say that they can be like best friends. So if estrogen is high, inflammation is also likely to be high. And if inflammation is high, then it's often it will often bring estrogen up as well. So I think there are a lot of things that are messing with our estrogen in today's society and our modern world. And I think our teenagers are really copying the full weight of that because they may have been born in a time when that was super normal. Whereas us that are a bit older or people that are in their 40s or 50s, they would have had a period of time in their childhood and even when they were in their mum's tummy that there weren't as much endocrine disruptors and there weren't as much things that were mimicking our estrogen and throwing hormones out of whack. And they're kind of feeling it now, whereas the teenagers now have had it their whole life. And when we're teenagers, that's when potentially we're experimenting with alcohol and that can throw Mm. out and we might be buying our own food for the first time and making those kind of decisions. And we may not be making the best decision in terms of, keeping inflammation down and keeping our gut health good because that's so linked to our skin. So I think there's a lot of kind of different ways that our lives can be influencing our skin and our health now. And I think that teenagers are the best example of how we're kind of getting it wrong in today's, in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess then a lot of our questions on the consultation card are like really general and it might say like what are your eating habits, poor average good or how many glasses of water you drink a day, but really Mm -hmm. further investigative questions around that could be so how are you heating your food up or what kind of bottle are you drinking out of, things like that. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, so if the question is like, good, bad, or poor or something like that. People can be, um, they may rate themselves better than they actually are. Yes. (laughs) Talk to your clients and say like, how's your diet? And they'll be like, yeah, it's really good. And then I'll be like, okay, so break down breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me and snacks and like your water intake and coffee and alcohol. And we get super specific. And then when we actually start to go through it all, it's like, okay, maybe breakfast, lunch, and dinner are actually causing a lot of inflammation. Like Mm. look at it with a bit more of a a closer look. There may be more things that are impacting their system than they may have thought. And they're like, oh, actually, yeah, that does need some work. So getting more specific can be really useful with clients and seeing what their version of normal actually is. Because, for example, I mean, when I talk to patients about bowel movements, I might say, how are your bowels? And they say, yeah, normal. I'm like, okay, so how many times a day do you have a bowel movement? And they might say once a week. And they say, that's Uh normal for them. 
but it's not actually normal. So it's good clue mm. of what someone's idea of normal is. Yes, absolutely. And we can never assume either. Yes, totally. After the break, Lauren and I explore stress, pregnancy and contraception in our clients' hormones. But first, a word from our sponsors. Set to revolutionize the cosmeceutical industry with their range of beautiful, scientifically active skincare with conscience, dermalists are currently seeking expressions of interest from respected dermatology, skin and beauty clinics that share their clean and ethical stance and luxury aesthetic to help them bring their revolutionary and highly efficacious range to the market. To find out more, register your interest by going to www.dermalist.com forward slash stockist. Thank you so much to Dermalist for making this episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast possible. And now back to Lauren. We're seeing a lot more clients now as well around that kind of 22, 23, 24, 25 um, present in our clinics with PCOS and endometriosis and it almost seems like it's now trendy to say those Mm. things because everyone has it. Um, Why are these two becoming so prominent in, in people of late? We've seen it just boom and it's gone bananas. It is super, super common. I think a few different reasons. So if we talk about PCOS... That one can be a little bit controversial because there is specific criteria for actually diagnosing PCOS. And I see a lot of girls in clinic that have been given that diagnosis. And then when we dig a little bit deeper as to how they were given that, they might say it was via ultrasound. Mm. That's not the complete way to diagnose PCOS. So it needs to be looking at your insulin levels and your hormonal profile as well. So sometimes women will have an ultrasound and they'll see multiple follicles on their ovaries and they'll say, you've got PCOS, but they may just have multiple follicles. That doesn't necessarily mean PCOS. So it's right. that's really, really common for that to be a little bit lost in translation. So I always like to make it clear with my girls to actually figure out how they were diagnosed and see if we can get more specific in their diagnosis. The first step is to make sure that they actually do have it because I've seen lots of women that don't actually have it, but they've been walking around thinking that they do. Right. But in terms of actual true PCOS, I think a lot of it is attributed to high stress because that will throw our hormones out. Mm. So um, there's a big component in PCOS, PCOS with insulin resistance and that will be worsened by a diet that's heavily processed or has high levels of sugar mm-hmm. and now more than ever our diets are leaning more towards that so that can kind of throw our systems out. So PCOS is, has a lot of different things going on with it. There's also the element of high testosterone but I think it's just another example of how maybe how we're living now isn't best supporting our bodies and the same can go for endo, so more at the root of it, endo is an inflammatory disease and some experts in the field are saying that it's looking more like it could be an autoimmune condition. That's not definite, but they're exploring that more. Wow. Autoimmune always has a link with the gut. So that, again, comes back to our diet and our lifestyles. So I think all of these things that are coming up with women is just signs from the body. It's like a tap on the shoulder saying, hey, things are out of whack. And it's trying to get your attention. 
And I think women are more aware as well now that it's becoming more common for women to care more about their cycles and actually trying to get extra support if they feel like things are out of whack. Whereas back in the day, women may not have felt like there was that support out there to get help. And it's kind of like a really vicious cycle because we're stressed now, adrenals are going bananas and we're running around on coffee and dry shampoo and then we're eating chocolate and, and carbs to sustain us so we can live the busy lifestyle and then we've got all of this inflammatory hormonal triggers and then we come back to the high stress. Totally. <laughs> no one is designed to function in that kind of way. <laughs> but our body will always say, hey, please stop what you're doing if it's not the most supportive thing. So we may be able to get away with it when we're little or when we're younger, but it eventually does catch up in some way or another. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I guess for um, for people who are listening, then this is the reason why in every education class you will hear educators saying when we are treating the skin to anti-inflammatories before we're antibacterializing because if you've got acne we don't just want to go in with something that's high glycolic high lactic high salicylic instead we'd rather reduce the inflammation and two if you're if we're talking about pcos and endo being related to high stress well then maybe we're also recommending a massage or some mindful meditation or Reiki into the facial as well. Absolutely. That would be so supportive. A lot of the women that I see, like stress is obviously so high for so many people now. And a lot of the time I will see my patients weekly and to dip to begin with. And a lot of the time when they come in for that once a week, lay down on the table and they have their points. So many women are like, this is my one time a week that I just get to lay down and be distractions and they can't move because they don't they have their points in so they can't be on their phone no one can disturb them and it's just that hour of peace for them and so many women are like wow I never actually feel like this any other time and they're like okay I need to actually incorporate more downtime because it comes it becomes more obvious how much they were running on adrenaline beforehand so I think it's easy to kind of run on that kind of high level for a long time that can kind of become your new normal and then when you experience the opposite of that it's like whoa I need to slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I probably should have asked you this before being live on a podcast but do you work um, you know with or together with any skin specialists so that you're kind of treating internally and and you're working with a specialist who actually externally you know anti-inflammatorizes and removes the bacteria? A lot of women that come in to see me have also already been seeing some kind of skin specialist. So often their skin person has said, hey, this looks like it might be a bit more hormonal. Go and Great. So often they're already kind of getting that combined care. And sometimes if they just came in fresh and they're wanting help with their skin and it seems like they could use some extra support topically as well, then I'll refer them to get some skin treatments as well. But usually it's more the other way. Yes, incredible. And that's so good that therapists are doing that and not trying to treat beyond their scope of practice and they're saying, okay, this is hormonal. There's only so many treatments that we can actually do to move this. Let's actually start looking internal. Totally. I see that happening a lot, which is super encouraging. And it's great that the therapists are so open to that and they're just wanting the best outcome for their clients and what Mm. they all want. 
Um, so yeah, a lot of women, like a lot of therapists around my area are really supportive and really encouraging to refer their patients out and just like go and get acupuncture, go and do some herbs and hormones <laughs> in, in, in alignment. Amazing. And so our industry now is also treating and seeing a lot of trying to be or current IVF clients, pregnant clients. And I guess from a beauty school perspective, we aren't really taught well how to treat these clients. And often in our consultation cards, they're grouped all under the same banner. One question, are you trying to be or are you pregnant? Mm-hmm. Um like what is the similarity in hormones in all these in all of these three different people I guess um yeah I guess what what is happening in that so they're all kind of similar except for the naturally trying to fall pregnant women there you can treat them as normal because their bodies are just doing their thing they're not they're cycling naturally and there shouldn't really be too much of an issue there Mm-hmm. But in terms of women that are going through assisted reproductive techniques with like IVF or IUI, where they may be using um, hormones and using medication, then their skin has the potential, like it's, there's the potential that their skin may be more sensitive. Wow. So some women have no side effects at all with whatever medication they're on during an IVF cycle and some women have a lot of side effects. So it can depend on the person at the end of the day and depend what their detoxification is like and how their system was prior to starting. But you may see that if they're going through a medicated cycle that their skin may be more sensitive and that's something to look out for. So if they've opened up and said that they are doing IVF, um, you can just kind of ask if they're currently taking any medication or if they're kind of in their two-week wait or what kind of stage they're at and then that might give you some insight into if their skin has been a little bit more red and inflamed or if it might react a little bit more with any products which is all super normal it's just a temporary state Mm. but it's good for you guys to know and in terms of pregnancy that can depend on the woman so during pregnancy hormones are really high so for example progesterone is the highest it'll ever be when we're pregnant and for some women that makes their skin amazing and for some women that can make their skin break out as well as other factors so Mm -hmm. that can be more dependent on the person as to how their skin will respond but from my perspective I would lump more together the women that are currently pregnant and the women that are going through assisted reproductive techniques where they're using medications because there is the, the possibility that they could be more sensitive. Right. How interesting. But naturally trying to conceive, it shouldn't really be too much different to how they are normally. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. And um, there's also a question on our client card about contraception and it generally just reads, are you currently taking contraception, yes or no? Um, and generally a lot of our therapists skip over this because either they're scared to ask or they're kind of unsure what that means or if the client says yes or no, they don't really know where to take it from here. Um, What are some basic points that we should know about the effect of somebody who is on contraception or perhaps has recently come off it? Then what do we say? 
Yes, this is a super juicy aspect. So this is a really golden opportunity because if you have someone come in and you ask about contraception and they say that they are on contraception, it's always fine to ask what kind. So they might say that they're on the pill or they might be on some kind of IUD and that could be a hormonal IUD or it could be the copper or it could be the rod, which is like the implanon that'll be in the arm. But you can always ask if you feel comfortable and the, and the client's comfortable, you can ask if they started their contraception, if it was purely for contraception or if it was anything to do with hormones. Mm. Of the time some women, well, a lot, of, a lot of the time women will start something like the pill for acne. So that would be good for you guys to know, even if their skin is good then, you can be like, okay, perhaps there is that inflammation going on underneath that's kind of being masked at the moment maybe there is some gut stuff going on and so you can kind of see that history of where they've been and what their reasons were for going on contraception and or they may just say it was for it was purely for contraception and you can be like okay cool it wasn't anything skin related but once a woman is actually on contraception that can have an effect on their system because it is depleting uh, mineral stores and vitamins wow. so it'll be depleting things like uh, b vitamins magnesium zinc and these are all really crucial for skin health and this is a part of the reason why when women stop the pill that they can get a resurgence in acne and breakouts because underneath maybe they've been on the pill for like 10 years their nutrient stores have been slowly being depleted but it all kind of seems like everything's okay. <laughs> they come off the pill, it's like, oh, everything isn't actually okay. Potentially yes. because maybe zinc is really low and that in itself can cause breakouts and the pill is inflammatory in nature. So it can be causing more inflammation in their system potentially. So when they stop the pill, the effects of that are more obvious it's super super common I'm sure you see this a lot women that have just stopped the pill or some kind of hormonal contraception that they will have symptoms coming up or they could yes 100% fine but they could it's likely that symptoms will come up I experienced this when I stopped the pill a few years ago and it's not always necessarily that they're doing anything wrong like diet might be fine lifestyle might be fine and sometimes it's purely just a withdrawal effect from taking a medication. Wow. Try to drive that home for women because sometimes they can feel like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. Like, why is my skin like this? And it's important to understand that they were on a medication and withdrawal effects uh, kind of go along with that. And often it is a temporary state. Most of the time it is and it does resolve with a bit of time, but sometimes it may have been masking PCOS, for example, and they may come off the pill and have acne and then maybe have irregular cycles and then that may prompt them to get further investigations and find out that they do have PCOS. So there's lots of different scenarios that can happen post-pill, but it's good to know for your clients where they're at along that whole journey, either on or off the pill. Yeah, and I guess a lot of us, you know, once we start having boyfriends and becoming sexually active, that's generally when our parents just put us on the pill because, you know, they, they're just concerned. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then we kind of don't revisit it until we break out in acne. All of a sudden we go, hang on, what's going on here? Maybe I should come off it. Totally, totally. see that all the time. I see that a lot with women that may have been on the pill since they were like 15 and they may be in their 30s and they're like, okay, I want to come off the pill to try and fall pregnant. And a lot of women don't know that it can take up to a year sometimes for ovulation to reestablish. And that can kind of throw out the baby-making plans if they were anticipating <laughs> by next month, but she's not ovulating. That's a big issue. So I think it's good for women to know that it's so okay to put in a bit of prep time before you come off the pill and know that things may be out of whack for a little while post-pill and to kind of take that into account with their planning so it saves um, any disappointment that may be there because I see that a lot, women that come off the pill and wanted to try the next month but no period, no ovulation. And so we have to put wow. back into gear. Um, I'm wondering, we do a lot of inflammatory or specifically controlled inflammatory treatments um, in the treatment room to kind of promote the wound healing process of the skin. However, and I don't know if you can comment on this or not, I heard the other day that now we're seeing the skin is able to directly influence A, the gut and B, the hormones. What do you think about that? Totally, totally agree with that. So especially from a Chinese medicine perspective, this skin is telling us what's going on internally. So whenever we look at the face, it's like a direct insight into what's going on typically within the gut and like within the liver and our detox pathway. So it tells us a lot and there is that potentiality for it to be vice versa as well. So whatever's going on the skin has the impact with our hormones as well. So the skin has, like we hear a lot about, our microbiome and our gut and how it's really important to be caring for that because it influences basically everything in our body. But our skin also has a microbiome as well. So if if people are using products that are constantly stripping away that bacterial layer, then that can cause things to go out of whack as well. So it's important to be, be maintaining the integrity internally and then externally as well. Incredible. Um, and I want to talk about stress a little bit more because we did touch on it just briefly um stress is massive and you mentioned before that it does throw the hormones out we can kind of become insulin resistant um what are some ways in which we can kind of reduce those stress levels i mean as you said for some of your clients like that hour session is the first time in their whole month that they've been able to sit still and be quiet i mean is there anything else that we can kind of do to you know, it may not be taking the time out, but to lower those hormone levels and, and kind of just balance everything out. For sure. So I always like to explain it to patients to talk about the nervous system. So we've got our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. And that is the nervous system that will be activated when we are under stress or when we are under the pump and my cortisol is high. And then we've got our parasympathetic nervous system, and that's our rest, digest, and calm state. So that is the state that we are designed to be in the majority of the time. And we're meant to have just short bursts of our sympathetic fight or flight response. And that's how our bodies function best. And that's how we kind of keep everything humming along nicely without symptoms popping up. 
But now if we're kind of under the pump more and we're living a more stressy, busy lifestyle, we're in the sympathetic system more and we may be having just the short bursts of parasympathetic, our rest, digest and calm. So it's kind of like things have flipped. So it's really important to be finding those ways to switch into our rest, digest and calm state because that is when everything gets regulated. That's when our digestive system gets attention that's when our hormones get regulated. That's when our liver can detoxify everything that's going onto our skin or into our bodies properly. And that's when things like inflammation gets addressed as well. So there's heaps of different ways that we can reduce stress. But one of the most stupidly simple ways is deep abdominal breathing. Yes. So if you look at babies, their tummies are going up and down when they're breathing. But when we, as we kind of grow and we're influenced by lots of different things, we start to take short, shallow breaths more into our chest and into our shoulders. And that actually uses accessory muscles. That's not our main muscles that we should be using to breathe. And when we use these accessory muscles, it actually sends a signal of stress to our body. So even if we're not actively mentally stressed at the time, purely just breathing in that way, sends a stressful signal to our, our brain and our system. So we want to learn to, we want to relearn because we did this when we were babies, but we want to be breathing into our tummies again. So this is like diaphragmatic breathing. So when you take a nice deep breath in, your tummy is actually expanding rather than your chest rising. And then when you breathe out, your tummy contracts. So it's more of like a pulse happening in your stomach. And when we breathe in this way, it stimulates a nerve called the vagus nerve. And this sends that message straight to the brain to go into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest, digest and calm. So you can do this in the car at a red light. <laughs> this is what I Yes. So you don't have to meditate if you don't want to. You don't have to carve out hours of the day to de-stress. You can find little pockets in the day to do some deep abdominal breaths, do your belly breathing, whether it's just like five rounds or 10 rounds, and it has an effect on your nervous system. You'll feel the difference. And this is sending those little pockets and those little bursts through the day to get into your rest, digest and calm and to focus on your hormones. So I tell women, I'm like, you can do this when you're waiting in line or when you're at work, if you're sitting at a desk, or when you're driving, make that your belly breathing time and you're just going to focus on doing deep breaths and you can do other things at the same time, but just try and focus on breathing into your tummy and it will send that calming message to your body. And then if you want to go the next level, then you can do it while you're doing like legs up the wall pose. Or maybe you can incorporate like a five or 10 minute quiet time meditation in the morning just to send that message of safety and calm to your body. And that's when our health and our hormones are the happiest and most balanced. Incredible. I love things that are just so easily done in kind of our everyday lifestyle because I'm not one to like take time out because I am quite a busy person. But as you said, just sitting at the lights or waiting for my computer to load, I can do that. For sure. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to take time out of your day. It can just be incorporated into your day when you're already doing other stuff. Yes, and as you said, um, touched on the vagus nerve there, we also know that that directly influences the gut. Yes, exactly. So that's already helping digestion. 
So wild. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and having a chat. This information has been so invaluable and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on. So after that conversation, I am definitely going to start eating more healthy, cut out the after dinner ice cream, stop stressing as much and aim to do some deeper breathing. I know sometimes we are so busy in the salon or spa that we rush the client through to the treatment room and skip over exploring the consultation card further, but this episode more than ever has really highlighted the importance of connecting you with your client through real conversation. If you ask open-ended questions like, so tell me about your skin's history or explain to me a little bit more about your contraception or even describe for me what you're currently doing for your stress levels, those open-ended questions will have you connecting with your client through meaningful conversation in no time, helping you both build trust with one another. Lauren has loads of super helpful quotes, information and fun memes on her Instagram, which I highly recommend you take a look at by searching for at Lauren Curtin when you're next scrolling on the gram. If you loved and learned something from today's conversation, feel free to share it with your friends or even better, take a screenshot and pop it onto your Instagram stories and tag us at Beauty Industry and myself at Tamara Shaw Reed because that helps us get into more therapist and business owner ears like yours. Like, subscribe and share. You guys know the drill by now. Thank you so much for all of your support. Until next time, stay connected.